Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we will discuss the disgusting Nets defense. Do the Nets need to make a trade? And Kyrie Irving uh, isn't, isn't around. We'll talk about that. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> Check us out Oof. on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall, TheAthletic.com slash Glue Guys. And also, if you could hop on iTunes, five stars. We need them. We want to have them. Brian. Nothing's going right, Mike. The Nets are losing to Memphis <laughs> and Oklahoma, whoever else. I'm singing off key. It's a disaster. I never want to see the Nets play a team from the middle of the country again. No more flyover states shall the Nets be playing. Um, I actually kind of, I feel like the Nets can never beat the Memphis Grizzlies, and I never, ever want to see the disgusting Grizzlies Mm. uniform again. Brian, how are you? Uh, Good. Ultimately, all things considered, (laughs) it's, I'm fine. Personally, I'm fine. So we have a jam-packed show, absolutely jam-packed show today. Uh, there's a lot to discuss about your Brooklyn Nets because I think we're beginning to see some cracks mm. in the armor a little bit from various different places. Okay. I think chiefly among them is Steve Nash. Wow. Ryan. So our we're S-tier, talking- our lone S-tier threat. <laughs> People <laughs> were talking about how that made no sense, that it should have been the inverse, the, high, the higher threat thing should have been like... D or F or whatever. Anyways. Right. They don't enough. get it. They don't get it. Anyways, that's fine. <laughs> Steve Nash looks fantastic on the sidelines wearing the jumpsuit with the mask. His his blue, I think his blue eyes piercing. Piercing, piercing, piercing. out from above doesn't, the mask. Doesn't really blink enough either. I mean, not from, I mean, <laughs> the perfect amount for a very serious head coach, not for like a dinner date, you know. What's the science of blinking? Is there a perfect amount of blinking per minute? I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have the, the data offhand. That's not something I... But I, I try least, to blink every half second. <laughs> I do, That's what yeah. I just try to do. Yeah. Keep, keep the eyes moist. <laughs> but I haven't seen it. All I know is that I haven't seen him do it enough for my taste. It's a perfect amount for coach, not for a good friend. I, not to I, say that I wouldn't be good friends with Steve Nash. I would. Steve, hit me up. I think there are cracks that are forming just a tiny little bit. For the first time in his coaching tenure, we are nine games or we're 11 games in. This is 11. Uh, 11 games into Steve Nash's coaching tenure, tenure, we've had his first sort of post-game dress down mm. of the Brooklyn Nets. So after the game, of course, we're talking about after the Thunder game where the, the Nets were up by 15 against the lowly Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that ultimately is playing Pokusevsky 
a ton of minutes a game. George Hill and Al Horford are on. It's a very odd team. Something and called a Dort. There was a, a Dort, Dort out well, there. Lou Dort. Legend. Absolute legend already. But the Nets lose, obviously, by 13, 129, ugh, 116. And this is what your boy, Steve Nash, had to say. He said, essentially, that the Nets gave up once they had the lead. That they just gave away the game to the Thunder. It's mm-hmm. like they stopped playing once they got that 15-point lead. And that the Nets needed to have pride. Mm-hmm. No matter what defense you're in, you got to sit down and guard someone. And we didn't guard anybody tonight. Your boy Steve Nash is is getting a little hot under the collar. Are you concerned, Brian? It's that, it's that New York media that he's succumbing to. <laughs> yeah. It happens to the best of us. We've all been yeah. there. <laughs> Those um, famous New York Zooms. Yeah. So, so terrifying. Yeah, that, they can be tough. Um, well, gosh, where to start? I mean... I I appreciate the dress down, you know, on a certain level. I didn't I didn't know if he was going to be a dress downy type of guy. Good to see he's got that in his bag of tricks. <laughs> if this is like the heel turn for Steve Nash in his life, yeah. <laughs> like he suddenly just becomes like an author, like yeah. a Jerry Sloan authoritative yeah. figure. I see and- it. Uh, he's got it in there somewhere. <laughs> um, the steely blues. Yeah, he's like, forget the beach. I'm going to live in a in a tiny <laughs> a tiny apartment and just live and die. <laughs> X's and O's. Uh, so, well, there's a couple of things. I don't know. Do, let's, should we talk about, because here's, here's yeah, how everything. I'll, I'll fold this, this whole is thing all, We're dumping out the bag. I mean, the Nets, the Nets have lost two games in a row, which isn't like catastrophic, but they've lost to the Grizzlies without Ja Morant. Obviously, the Nets didn't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. And then they get Kevin Durant back and they lose to the Thunder in yeah. a game that they were up 15. That's bad. B-A-D. We also, but let's put this into context, right? We have not potted since <clears throat> a beautiful win. Against Philly, yeah. <laughs> who I like trolled my Philadelphia fans who may or may not be listening mercilessly. It was great. It was really a fun game to just have to be totally outmanned and still just coast to a victory. So I just I do want to say that, like, there's a uh, the data set that we've been given here is all over the place. It's not absolutely u- it's not universally bad. I'm not in the universally bad sort of state of mind, although you caught us on you know the second day of a not so great situation. So it may seem that way. And we'll probably talk about things that way because we're we're flawed and <laughs> simple-minded people. Um, <clears throat> I will say though that I I think it's interesting that Steve Nash came back uh, and had a little bit of a dress-down press conference after the Memphis game or losing the, uh, the Oklahoma game after the Memphis game, in which it was the first time that I think he was under the microscope from the aforementioned. Uh, uh, draconian New York elite coastal media um, machine <laughs> who I think correctly gave him some grief for the end of game rotation there. But for one reason, I think what you can do in that situation. So if you don't remember um, DeAndre Jordan was kind of conspicuously being outplayed at the end of that game looked kind of like blown up. If you watch, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll know what that means. If if not, maybe uh, a term aghast. He, he had lost his wind. Um, Blown up is a kayfabe turb. Okay, Mike, so you can you can use that from now on. Um, he was blown up. He wasn't running well. He was missing pretty obvious defensive assignments. Um, it wasn't going well. And instead of dying on the hill of uh, DeAndre Jordan, which I think like you, you probably shouldn't have done, but he missed the sub with about four minutes to go left to the point where now we have uh, Jared Allen coming in at one minute and like 20 seconds or something like that, which if you're going to do that, you don't, you don't give them the one minute, 20 seconds. That's one Oh nine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a meaningful amount of time to influence that end of game situation, which, and it was a very winnable game at that point. 
and I think it just really jumped off the page how they were kind of picking on DeAndre Jordan in that in those moments. Uh, and even the broadcast was like, they're not gonna we're we're not gonna do that timeout and and swap them in, or we're just gonna keep letting this go and on and uh, and yeah. So it was one of the times where and this happens. This is a new coach thing and. Uh, I know a lot of people have been suspicious of the timing of having a new coach who's going to go through those, um, I don't know, what do you call those? Growing pains. You call that a growing pain. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, yeah, and he's going through that. And and that's all well and good. But it is like um, you're going through that on borrowed time a little bit here, Mike, because we're in win now mode, buddy. Big time. Yeah. And it's so to criticize Steve Nash's rotations. One, he's giving you a lot to criticize, not because it's bad, but because it's it's constantly evolving. I feel like each game, we have Joe Harris starting. Joe Harris moves to the bench. Karis LeVert on the bench. Joe uh, Karis LeVert starting. You have Landry Shamit getting <laughs> an insane amount of minutes. And, and then he disappears for a little bit, which is good. Bruce mm-hmm. Brown emerges. Bruce Brown plays well, surprises everyone, and then disappears again. You know, and, and, and so this is happening during this COVID season. You know, Kyrie's out for a reason that we do not know. Uh, Kevin Durant was out for COVID-related reasons. And I think the Board of Governors, the NBA Board of Governors, is meeting as we speak. We are missing that call to pod just for you people. But so it's like it's a disjointed to begin with. Spencer Dinwiddie plays. He gets hurt, blah, blah, blah. But there, Steve Nash isn't, isn't coaching yet with a clear operating principle. He is coaching with experimentation. And I, I actually kind of like experimentation. Like, I don't want a coach who will start DeAndre Jordan for the rest of his career, right? I want a coach who will play around with a little bit. But what's a, what it's leading to is what the Memphis game happened, which is DeAndre Jordan plays until the one-minute mark before it's over, basically. And I have a small meme about that kind of experiment. Because in general, I agree with you. I think that you know you don't see it enough, nearly enough. People get locked into rotations, and I think there's like some cognitive bias that it, you know reinforces it, and they're just Lionel Hollins, and that's it. You can't do anything about it. Um, so I, in general, I like experimentation, but there's certain parts of the rotation that seem like those are the things that he's not experimenting with, which really pop off or pop off the page for me is like a thing we might want to readdress. For example, I've been talking about this quite a bit on the Discord. Another shout out to the Discord. Uh, if you want to come on in, the invite is in our Twitter bio at BK Glue Guys. Get down there. It's fun during the game times. Anyways, I'm talking about the Landry Shamet plus Prince minutes. I don't mind them so much when they're staggered as like the fourth or fifth options around around everybody else. But there is something about the combination of those two guys, the the similarities, the overlap, and then like the fact that they're both kind of in a weird headspace at the moment right now that I would, I have not done the deep analytics on this. I should have, I really should have, I had the time to do it. I just, I didn't (laughs) think to do it, honestly, but I'd be very interested to see what those minutes look like uh, in terms of stupid things like plus minus um, because it always feels to me like that's where they go to lose uh, a little bit of their lead. Yeah. I mean, I think Torian Prince has has sort of uh, resuscitated his, his season so far this, I mean, he's been playing better now and now I'm happy when I see Torian Prince playing on the basketball court where previously I didn't. I just want to look up this one thing with Landry Shamit because I tweeted this out. So the Nets have lost six games so far this season. And in at least five of those losses, Shamit was held scoreless while getting like 15 to 20 minutes a game so far this year. And I thought I think he was held scoreless too against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let me just check real quick. Uh, OKC, he ended up making a, a free throw in a bucket. 
so he scored three points. But he's been held scoreless in three games, and in those three games, the Nets lost. In the OKC game, which was three points, they lost as well. And then he scored, you know, like, you know, he's he's only scored 14 points at the maximum. You and I like Shamit. This is a Sham positive pod, right? Like, I, I we both like the way he plays. There's a lot of activity. I actually like the threes that he is taking, even though they don't go in to a great degree. But, like, it's almost indefensible at this point to continue to give him that a chunk of minutes. I mean, he's basically averaging about, like, 15 to 16 minutes a game, which is not an insignificant portion. And the biggest issue with this team is that they don't have any defenders, and there's not the dogs that Bruce Brown is on the floor. They have a lot of pretty boys, you know? Not enough dogs. Mm. Not enough lunch pail. Mm-hmm. Pick up that shovel. Yeah. Digging in concrete, jackhammering the court. Wow. Type blue collar. Yeah, I get you. Ballers. Punching the clock. You forgot to They've punch the clock. They've got a bunch like, of prep school, yeah. <laughs> Ivy League, wow. yachting on the weekends, wow. lattes lattes in the morning, and Americanos at night type guys. <laughs> you know? Up all Those night. Those Americanos at night type guys. Studying. That's, you got to study. That's you um, to study. Yeah. No, but if we're going to be honest basketball evaluators, Brian, if you and I are going to mm-hmm. sit here and pretend to be basketball experts, which I don't know if you saw the Draymond Green uh, thing. Draymond Green like basically tried to bury anyone who isn't a basketball player right. for analyzing the game. Which... Well, joke's on you. I played two years in high school, Draymond. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Brian's excluded. Two years of varsity, buddy. <laughs> Suck on that. <laughs> um, we have to, you have to point out that Landry Shamit has been bad. And I support mostly of Steve. So this goes back to Steve Nash. Steve Nash has is playing Landry Shamit because he believes that Shamit will eventually shoot himself out of this hole and become a consequential figure on the team. But his minutes are negatives for the most part. And that the Nets simply aren't good enough right now without Kyrie to have like negative minutes. Like they, you know, Durant was amazing. The rest of the team wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an actual phone going off in the house. This Ooh, is exciting. A landline? That's um, that is a true office space. It looks like you're in. That's, can I? Yeah, go ahead. We did concern tears. Is there any update in your head? Is there something that's become more concerning over the over the past? I don't know weeks since we did them. That could be. A, it could be a fax that you got there coming in. Is it a fax? Do you need to receive that? <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. So I'm in. Yeah. I live with my in-laws. If you don't, if everyone wants to know this information, yeah, everyone wants, yeah, of course. And my office, it's like feels weird to even call it an office. The place where I work, where I have a computer, uh, it's really close to where my five-month-old sleeps. Mm. So I'm in my mother-in-law's office, right? Which, which we're not live streaming this, but there is a portrait of my wife and her sister huh. when uh, they were like five and three years old, just over my shoulder. Very nice. Just like a, just like that's kind of the energy I'm bringing down here. Great, right now. Um, biggest concern, Brian. Do you have a? Does the concern feel bigger for you? I mean, I, here's what I feel from you. You're not concerned. You feel like this is growing pains. I do. Yeah, I feel like so. A couple of things. I feel like in the last couple of games we've had this uh, not great experience, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know not just our starting point guard, but also our what would be a perfect de facto second string point guard in Spencer Dinwiddie is not there to do the thing that he's supposed to do. We're 
very light at a very specific role all of a sudden where we used to be a little bit, you know, we used to talk about how we had too much playmaking ball handling. <laughs> and now look at us, how fast, how fast to egg all over our face. Um, so yeah, anyways, I, I pointed that as like, that's a pretty big missing, very helpful ingredient in the souvlaki. Um, what are we making? Mm. Is it? I don't know. Could be uh, chicken paprikash. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but we're making something uh, from the Middle Eastern region. Mike, I guess my what I want to say is that like I I am. It's not that I'm not concerned. I am a little bit concerned, but I just feel like we we don't have the data set enough. And also, there is like weird spikes in the good direction, which you don't really see in truly bad teams. That like had the, like the first two games were great. Philadelphia game was great. There have been moments here where we could point to to say, like, that depth can be, like, the cohesive tool around everything and and everything can work out. Um, There's also similar data points to suggest, like, oh, the wheels could really fall off here if we don't figure it out. But, like, on a team with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I feel like the odds of it, of the wheels truly falling off in the way that we've seen in these games here, it just doesn't, I don't know. It feels like there's some version of it that we're, we're just missing or not getting into a sort of consistent thing with i don't know yeah i mean i think if like if we're being truly honest so if they had if they had beat the thunder last night as they should have but they didn't but if they had they would have been six and five on the season and they would be like the five seed right now in the east and because they lost they're five and six they're the tenth seed right so it's it's all silliness and if you go go on basketball reference and look at the standings they have SRS, if you look at the standings, it's the simple rating system which basically takes strength of schedule and point differential the Nets are considered the second best team in the East behind the Bucks, because obviously the Nets have had a couple of big blowouts to start the year and it's a short season so far. So like everything is mostly OK. No one is running away with the standing so far. I mean, the 76ers are seven and three and I think leading the East and the Celtics are seven and three and leading this and the Nets are, you know, two wins behind them. So it end and we've had this Kyrie thing happen and Kevin Durant has sat out because of covid rules. And so it is disjointed. My one thing is just that ultimately I still there's still an element of this team that I fear will continue to rear its head over the course of the season. And the Thunder game was the perfect example of it. They don't have a roster like that is populated with like the perfect role player that you would want around Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. And the perfect role player is like guys who make their money on defense They have too many guys that make their money on offense whose focus is offense, and they don't really necessarily, when they're on the defensive end of the floor, think defense. And Jared Allen is that, right? But Jared Allen's a center, and the way centers are being played now, it's just like they don't, while they are very important, you really also need some perimeter defenders. It's never going to be Durant because Durant has too much responsibility on offense. It's never going to be Kyrie because responsibility plus ability. Um, so it's like kind of up to Joe Harris and like Karis Levert and still their focus, even as hard as they may try on defense is like, I'm going to play super great basketball and, and shoot and make buckets. And so I still think there's like, there's just like, should be some interest in a trade at some point. And we don't know what it is, but there's some margin trade to get like what Jeff green is, but like an elevated Jeff green. So not not a not a Hefe Verde, but a Hefe Very Verde. Ooh. You know what I mean? Ooh, I like the and sound of that. There's, there's got to be some bench 
like sixth man that mm-hmm. the Nets can snag in a deal that would shift, give some wing defense, someone who's a priority guy. I mean, I've always liked Larry Nance Jr. I've talked about him many times before. Pat Beverly is a person who exists in the NBA, though I think he's veering closer to being more irrelevant. P.J. Tucker, everyone loves P.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. That type of guy, you yeah. know? The, the ultimate version of that type of guy, and I want to keep this on everyone's radar, the Toronto Raptors are 2-7 and seven right now. They're run by Masai Ujiri. Masai has been known in the past to wanting to blow up the Raptors situation. He nearly traded Lowry to the Knicks like eight seasons ago. And I think James Dolan canceled out the trade for some reason. If the Raptors continue to be bad at basketball, two and seven, let's say they become like four and 11, five and 13, right? And it's becoming obvious that this season, it's just not going to be in, in it for them. Kyle Lowry is a guy who would fit beautifully on the Brooklyn Nets. He would basically assume the role that Spencer Dinwiddie did, except Lowry is a better defender than Dinwiddie, not as dynamic at this point in his career offensively, but someone who's won a championship, obviously. And he's the type of person who, if he became available, I think a lot of teams would want. But I also don't think it would cost like an insane amount of capital to get Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. because I think he's, I think he is an expiring deal. He's obviously older. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be bringing him on your team to run your offense necessarily. He, he has an ability to play off of like Kawhi and he played off of DeRozan for a number of years. He's a guy that I could see the Nets desiring. I don't know what they give up for him. You know, you wouldn't give up. I don't think you would give up Karis Levert for Kyle Lowry. But there's got to, there's going to be some collection of guys and draft picks that could get you Kyle Lowry, Torian Prince, and maybe it's now Landry Shamit's on the move. It's Torian Prince, Landry Shamit, and a first round pick, plus maybe something else gets you Kyle Lowry, and wow. that's a guy I like. Wow, you know, I'm just saying we're begin we're going to begin to see <laughs> yeah. the buyer and seller markets. I right? I love it. I love. I love where your head always goes because it it's so different from where my head goes. Because my I I look at I go back to it and I just like try to justify everything, which is what I'm about to do again. And you're just always looking for next best thing, next next <laughs> next. How do I how do I trade out of this? Um, the last little like thing that I'll want to say about I mean because I I'm interested as podcasters I like the idea of retooling in terms of what I actually think was good for the team. I think we do need to stand pat for a, a while here. Um, and the last little piece of evidence I'll say for that <clears throat> is that, like, if to look at the win uh, winning percentages of the teams that we beat versus the teams that we lose to is also an interesting data point for how funky we've been in general, for how sure. all over the place. I mean, we lose to we lose badly to bad teams, and then we win bigly to big to, to big teams. You know, big, the bigly <laughs> bigs. Uh, no, but like we, you know, the Celtics are legitimately a good team. Uh, the 76ers are more than likely a pretty good team. Um, they do like a couple of things really well, things that, you know, are presumably really helpful for winning a lot of games, which is defense and things like that. Jazz, a historically good team that seems to be off to a similar start. Hawks are sort of unknown and all over the place, but like we're losing to the Wizards and Grizzlies multiple times. Like th- that kind of stuff to me shows one of a couple things. I mean, like the sort of Skip Bayless version of it is like, you, get, you have no focus. There's no, you know, uh, where's your tenacity for like the not big night games? And like, that's tempting. You can make that argument. Um, but in general, I would just say it's like uh, uh, that kind of lack of 
consistency doesn't always have to be just like not getting excited for big performances or whatever. And it can just be like new team, a lot of new personnel wanting to do uh, like, I, yeah. Anyways, I, I don't get, I don't, I'm trying not to like buy into like, they're not playing hard type arguments. Like that doesn't, that feels lazy to me. I know, but there, I do think that there is an element to this team, not to be too negative, but I think there is an element to this team. There's like not enough, like, Energy in the defensive end of the floor, even though Joe Harris will try really hard and he will pump his fist. Durant has such tremendous ability as a defender. Jared Allen is I'm in love with the man. He's incredible. There still just isn't enough like dedicated energy on that part of the floor. And that is going to be a problem if it doesn't like change. Right. And so it, when when Kyrie comes back, whenever that is. Like when him and KD were playing together, it's going to feel a lot better, but you still that that problem is is an issue. And I wonder, I think Sean Marks recognizes it and the Nets do have like an overabundance of guys who could be interesting on other teams. Um, I wonder if there it's just I don't know. I don't say make a panic move, but I think sooner rather than later, they should make a trade to get that guy in here. Because they're going to have to sit for COVID protocol. And then they're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to integrate them into a team that you hope will win a championship this year. Um, and God forbid, Brian, we're talking now on Monday afternoon. The Nets play the Knicks on Wednesday night. Uh, the first Nets-Knicks game. And the Knicks, obviously, they, I think they lost to the Nuggets by like 30 points or whatever. But they are playing defense first. And if, God forbid, if the Knicks beat the Nets... Twitter's just going to be a bad place to be for the next 18 months. It's just going to be a bad place to be. Um, and I hope Twitter and Jack Dorsey ban all Knicks fans like they did President Trump. That's I agree. That's that's where we'll agree on. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Nets thoughts. Have fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Brian, I have one more uh, just sort of like trade radar thing to throw out to you before we get to Kyrie Irving. Okay. Kyrie Irving thoughts. Um, the Washington Wizards are probably the worst team in basketball right now. The Washington Wizards are 2-8. and eight. Uh, That is the worst record in basketball. They are the worst defensive team in basketball. Uh, Russell Westbrook will, will be out for a week with, I think, left knee soreness. Bradley Beal has been on fire. But Thomas Bryant, then the Wizards uh, offensively gifted center, a guy who I think is leading the NBA in two point percentage and was shooting 41 percent from three as a center is out for the season with a torn ACL. Very sad. Bradley Beal is the name that everyone in the NBA wants to see on the trade market because it's the most fun person. He's known to like tweets before from from Nets players. He's liked tweets. If you're Bradley Beal, you're two and eight. Russell Westbrook's out for a week with injuries and will likely all season long be having some injury concerns. And Thomas Bryant, your starting center in an already weak center rotation, is now out for the season. It could be a situation sooner rather than later that that Bradley Beal indicates to the Wizards, thank you guys for trying very hard to make the team better around me. Simply, I don't see a path for us to be really good. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to trade me because the value of myself is so high that you wizards, because w- he's a good guy. You wizards will want to want to. <laughs> you wizards, yeah, you wizards, yeah, um, will want you bunch you of know, wizards to, yeah. to, to to maximize on value. Here's just real quick. Here's the schedule coming up. They play the Suns tonight. They play the Jazz, Pistons, Cavs, Cavs, Hornets, Bucks, Spurs, Rockets, and Pelicans. There's a lot of games against teams that aren't that good. I mean, the Cavs aren't that good. Hornets not that good. But if the Wizards come out of like the rest of January and they are like, again, four and 18. I don't see how Bradley Beal stays. And if Bradley Beal doesn't stay, he's available. Mm-hmm. So just that's trade radar stuff. Sure. Right. Trade radar. Okay. Uh, just be aware. Bro. Do you want to entertain it more in more depth? Tell me. Tell me what you feel about Bradley. Beal <laughs> well, so here's what I'll say. Broadly speaking, I, we can. I mean, we, I guess we don't have to get into specifics, but like, let's just use the, the macro of trading depth for us for a star or a third star. Yes. Don't you think in this season specifically, so like with all of the now sporadic quarantining going on and just general interruptions into your <laughs> lineup that it feels like to me, there's a couple of different like archetypes for championship level contention. And the two major ones is two stars and depth or three stars and no depth. That's sort of how the cap basically cracks out for right. allowing. We are obviously in the two stars in depth category as of right the second, yeah, that's not looking great because our two stars have been sort of either both not playing or one playing, not the other for you know a couple of weeks now. And that doesn't look good. But imagine what that looks like with without any depth, without any of the of the backup people. I mean, like, I just feel like a concentration of talent is a difficult argument for me to make in terms of the macro trend of what's going on here. Because if there's gonna be a lot more quarantining, it seems like that's gonna be a a, like weekly reality here postponements like spontaneous seven day quarantines for people like kevin durant um and you know i get it that's what you we got to do it we've already agreed to this fine um i feel like it'd be a, a 
potentially dangerous time to start consolidating too, too much uh, into those like three star archetype type roles. Yeah. And, and ultimately we just talked about concerns with this team. Like if you're trying to get better on defense, Bradley Beal's not going to get you there. It is going to make you have the greatest offense in the history of the NBA, which if you have the greatest offense in the history of the NBA, that's probably a good thing. I mean, there's let's let's walk down this path for a second. So let's say they trade everyone. Let's just like, you know, it's like the everyone not named Durant and Irving. Yeah, yeah it's Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. And maybe you put Landry Shaman in there now because like, I don't think you could trade Dinwiddie if he's hurt. Um, you basically put everyone in there. DeAndre Jordan will stay. I don't think he's a positive contract anymore for anyone. Uh, and so you're basically left with Kyrie, Katie, let's say Bruce Brown's here, Timothy Luello Cabarro's here, Jeff Green's here, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and Bradley Beal, right? Like, that's your roster. Let's say they, the Nets do have a disabled players exemption, I think, that, that will be awarded to them from Spencer Dinwiddie, which will be about $5 million. Like, that's a guy. Like, you can find someone else in the NBA for a second-round pick that will fit into that DPE fit pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that DPE player is like a 3-4 type. There's going to be buyouts. There's going to be guys you can pick up off the street, which will be exciting. Um then you could kind of fill out your roster a little bit more. And again, you would have the most exciting offense in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's intriguing. But I agree with you where it's like we're so focused on offense. It's like if I if I hear Zach Levine's name, uh, brought up as like a trade candidate, I will lose my mind. You're not going to hear that. Who's going to say that? Who I don't want to see Who it. would dare to say that? I don't want to see it. I want to. That's why I like the Lowry idea. The Lowry idea, at least to me, it doesn't diminish offense and it increases defense. Mm-hmm. Now, who would I rather have, Lowry or Bradley Beal? I, I think you just take Bradley Beal. Like you just grab him. All, like if you can give everything for Bradley Beal, you just do it. And you try to continue to figure out the defensive fit. But Lowry is like lower cost, plus he fits more into like if they're just Nets are going for it for two years, he's the guy that you grab to like be the role player, super fun dude. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I agree with you, like depth, that would be a real concern, particularly if like someone else, if, if you got an injury amongst your top three after just trading away the rest of your roster, that would be mm-hmm. a bad thing. It'll be bad, real bad. Um, Kyrie Irving, Brian. Yo, talk to me. Okay, give me your thoughts and feelings about it. So here's here's the news beginning. Kyrie Irving last week kind of uh, disappeared from the team. It, w- it was not known to Steve Nash where Kyrie Irving was, what was it, three games ago. Apparently it came out afterwards that Kyrie had texted some fellow players and maybe one other person within the Nets organization that he wasn't going to show up. And since then, he, he isn't here. We haven't heard from him. And we've been told it's personal reasons. Um, national media very upset at mm. Kyrie Irving. Nets Twitter fully supportive. Where are you on the spectrum? You say tw- Nets Twitter is very supportive? Yeah, very supportive. I, f- I feel like I've been getting a different part of the algorithm. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like I'm getting throttled here. Um, golly, gosh, what to say on this subject? It's tough. Um, you know, I'm of the mind – where in general, the brand of this show, it's a non-toxic masculinity type of enterprise that we run here, right? And Absolutely. with that, it means making a lot of space for for people who go through things and they don't want to air them out. And who knows what they are, what level of personal they deem it to be. 
Um, this is an interesting one. I don't, you know, it's, it's not super fun to just kind of guess at what the, the cause is. That's like, yeah, you know, that's not a great position to be in. Um, <laughs> so it's a shitty position to be in. It's not great. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And you don't, and you really don't, you assume the worst and you don't want to be guessing around when you're assuming the worst. So, um, that's basically where I am with it. It's just like you make space for people to go through their lives. It's a very difficult time for a lot of people. And, you know, we're all trying to do the best we can. And so I, I err on the side of making space for people, you know, and I think Kyrie Irving is actually really interesting. I talked to my friend who's not like a super basketball, um, you know, fan or whatever, but he's been watching closely this season because the Nets are good and he's like a bandwagon fan. Um, and he was saying he, how much he likes Kyrie Irving because he's not, he's not like, keyed in on the Twitter. He doesn't really, he's either playing or he's not. And it's not because he like follows it closely or whatever. And he's like, I like him so much more than players like LeBron James and James Harden and everything because he doesn't flop. He's the most, one of the most like earnest, non-floppy, like uh, a guy who just like really, who kind of is the, a lunch paley kind of guy, despite how, you know, his sort of aesthetic flourishes on the court and everything that he kind of typifies a real, he's a really trying very hard all the time that he's out there. Uh, and there's like a certain kind of like, I, I kind of forgot about that. Like, oh, like from an outside perspective, there's a couple of different ways to view this stuff. And our minds are so colored by the context around Kyrie Irving that it kind of has a way of coloring your perception of him, the basketball player. And they are very like different. They're radically sort of different. And he's just a different character altogether. Um, and just, I guess, in it, without, I mean, obviously I'm being mealy mouthed about this and not really like assigning like, a, a true point to this one way or the other, because it's not a great position. Like we discussed, not a great position to be in to, to make hard, fast points on. Um, I do find myself appreciating the uniqueness of Kyrie Irving, despite mm-hmm. how it affects the team. More broadly speaking, he, from a podcast owner perspective, it's, it's an interesting dude. It's a, it's like a really unique dude. Um, really unique <laughs> in a million different interesting ways. So, anyways, I uh, all that's to say is like I it sucks to try to guess at why he's not playing. You you know you just you don't want to step on a on a landmine. <laughs> you know like that. <laughs> that's that's what you don't want to do. Yeah. yeah, my general thing about Kyrie Irving is like I, what Nets fans I feel like at least the ones that I interact with on Twitter have come from a really healthy place with Kyrie, is that we had seen the sins of the past in Cleveland and in Boston, how he was treated and how he treated them. You know, it was two-way street. And I think everyone realized that Kyrie Irving was just going to be a different experience, right? Like, as you, as your friend said, like, mm-hmm. he is... <laughs> nothing was ever going to be normal. Like, frankly, normal. It just wouldn't mm-hmm. be. And he started the season by not showing up for media day. And then, you know, he's... He's continued on sort of that path. We had the pregame or the preseason podcast with Kevin Durant, where he says that there would be no coach and all that stuff. And I am I am very fine with all of that. The only thing I would just suggest to Kyrie is that if you're not going to show up for work, because like I know we love to talk about basketball as a game and it's blah blah blah. It is work. I would just have I would have texted my boss. Like I used to work at a at a, a bar and grill called Looney's mm. in Maryland. You know, I used to I used to sling burgers and beers. And you'd have and, to check in with the Looney's Gestapo. Every night you were going to show up five minutes late. Yeah. If yeah. I wasn't going to show up for a shift, I would text my boss, Jessica. Hey, Jess, it's Mike here. Last night got rough yeah. and I'm not showing up. Of course, that never happened with me. I showed up every day right. an hour early just to prepare for the onslaught that was ahead of me. Yeah. But um, if, I, if I'm talking <laughs> about the scenario. So I would have just texted Steve Nash 
and said, hey, I'm not going to be here tonight. I can't get into it. And then left it at that because Nash literally said, I haven't talked to Kyrie. So that's my only thing. Like, I don't want to be critical. Like, who knows why he's not there? And again, we're not going to play the guessing game. Just like a little communication. He wants communication his way, right? Like, he wants openness. Mm -hmm. We'll give it a little bit back. How it affects the Nets is like, you know, I think the Nets are handling it correctly. Players are all supportive verbally. We haven't seen like some crazy story in a various publications of being like, here's what's really going on with Kyrie Irving right now. We mm-hmm. just haven't seen it, which means that the players are protecting him in some way and the team is protecting him in some way. Yeah. Um, this is the tack they have to take. Because obviously he's just the kind of guy who's just not going to show up sometimes. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I do think I'm in a unique position to be hired by Kyrie Irving personally <laughs> to be a sort of PR, you know, mitigator for us. I'm an outsider, just like he is, you know. And I think we speak the same language in a certain sense. Just needs a little bit of refinement. Just needs to go through just one little absolutely prism of bullshit, which I can provide. I do that perfectly. So well, you got netspotatgmail.com. And I've, I don't know if this is a Scoop B. Robinson exclusive or where this came from. There's some implication out there that Kyrie, the reason why he's not playing is he's upset what happened in, in D.C. and with Jacob Blake with no charges being filed against officers. And, you know, I think that that is a completely legitimate reason for not playing. Again, I would just say hire Brian Egan. Have Brian Egan communicate that. And yeah. just say, like, listen, like... My specialty. I'm not going to act like this. What happened in D.C. is normal. Let's not act like it's normal, right? And I'm... Kyrie, via Brian Egan, is going to say... Mm-hmm. Kyrie's just not playing because yeah. this isn't normal. And here we are, though, guessing at... Like, we're just pulling news articles and seeing, like, is could this be the reason? Is this the reason? That's, you know, that's part of it. But also, it cuts both ways. How much... Uh, how much access do you get to have to public figures? Blah, blah, blah. We could go 12 rounds with that. Let's not. Let's not. Or unless um, we want to. We could. Uh, I promise we'll try to be like more. We'll we'll have more like fun stuff. I mean, I think if the team plays better, we will feel better. Uh, I, we really should have. We should have made a point of podcasting after the Sixers game because I felt great after that. I mean, we just it was back to back Jazz incredible. Sixers. I mean, it would have been a totally different vibe. The, the bubble Nets. Yeah. Um, so so the Nets have Nuggets coming up. Nuggets Knicks. Uh, it's a it's a away game with the Knicks. That's really scary. Magic, Bucks, Cavs, Cavs, Heat, Heat, and Hawks. Mm. Um, a lot, a lot. <laughs> the Nets play two teams in four games, uh, two series, which is actually going to be like a fun little stretch for the Nets. Hopefully, Kyrie Irving's back soon. Steve Nash had said that Kyrie was tested for COVID on Sunday, but didn't say if he was going to play on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I would think he would, from what we're what was kind of indicated that maybe he would play on Sunday. I could see also Kyrie just skipping Tuesday and skipping Wednesday and not playing until Saturday. I could see that being sort of the the modus operandi that he does, but we'll see. Um, Regardless, the Nets should trade for Kyle Lowry and Bradley Beal um, and completely transform their roster very soon. Mike, we did it again. I can't believe it. That's it. it. Another pod. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Uh, Rate and subscribe, please. Unsubscribe and subscribe. Mm, throttle that Un- subscribe. Unrate and re-rate. Buy multiple iPhones yeah. and download us from all those phones. Mm-hmm. Buy multiple Android phones and then P- throw them PCs. away in the trash. Yep. yep. Um, thank you so much for listening, Brian. <laughs> that was my pleasure. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.